Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from The Lancet. I'm Catherine Rolfe and this week we are joined by an author of a paper which looks at people in their 90s, comparing those born in 1905 and 1915 for physical and mental functioning. Let's hear from him introducing himself. My name is Cor Christensen. I'm a professor at the University of Southern Denmark and the director of the Danish Aging Research Unit. Professor Christensen, thank you for joining us today. Could you start by telling us what prompted this research and what kind of differences you expected to find? The basis for the research was the widespread concern that a bigger, bigger fraction is surviving to very high ages into the 90s and past 100. And quite a lot of both researchers, politicians and the population generally has had some concern whether the basis for this is the survival of very frail and sick elderly people. In your paper, you refer to success of success and failure of success. Can you tell us a bit about this concept and how it relates to your study? The starting point was actually the failure of success hypothesis. This that the success is that more and more of us are living to very high ages. But the failure was that the prize for that was a health and a functioning and a life quality that was well below what we would like to see. So on one hand, it is success that we live. And on the other hand, it's a failure that it was in a condition that few people wishes. And the basis for that was that we are today too active, too concerned about basically being afraid of dying won't allow life to go down the way it's supposed to. And this has been the concern that we should basically accept that is how life is. On the other hand, there was the hypothesis of the success of success, the hypothesis that the reason why more people live to very high ages is that we arrive to these very high ages in better shape. And so we are not only living longer, but also in better condition. So this was basically the two hypotheses that we set out to test. And what were the main findings of your study? The main finding was based on two large studies. One we conducted in 1998, where we went out and visited everybody who was born in 1905 ringing the doorbell of these 3,600 persons all around Denmark. And we assessed their health in numerous ways and draw blood and a number of other things. But what is of central importance to elderly people is functioning in daily life. So these individuals from 1905 were at the age of 92, 93 at the time we visited them back in 1998. And then we waited 12 years, and then we did the same thing with the 1915 cohort. Went out to everybody who was alive from this cohort in Denmark and made the exact same investigation. So the design was to see those born 10 years later, how were they functioning compared to those born 10 years earlier. First of all, those born in 1915 were 30% more than those born in 1905. So there was many more of the newer cohort. So the question was, was this because we have carried through a lot of very frail people or was it because they were in better shape? And of course, we were very happy to see that not only were the 1915 cohort many more survivors into their 90s, than the 1905 cohort, but they were also functioning quite a lot better, especially cognitively. One and a half point on the minimental state examination, which is quite a lot on a 30-point scale. 
We also found that they were handling their activity of daily living better, that is walking inside and outside, getting around the house, so on. When we measured their muscle, they didn't have a stronger grip strength. So we had the combination of a better intellectual level and a better functioning in the daily life, but not more muscle. And we think that the basis for this is that the combination of a better cognitive functioning and uh, improvement in living condition for elderly people together makes the functioning better. So what we found was a success of success. Not only were more people living to very high ages, they were also functioning better. And this was actually in despite of we investigated the 1915 cohort when they were two years older than the 1905 cohort. You've already mentioned the chance of surviving to age 93 to 95 was 30% higher in the 1915 cohort than the 1905 cohort. What can these differences be attributed to? Are there social or environmental reasons for this? Such dramatic changes over so short time is for sure environmental. And the two big factors were first the declining infant mortality in the beginning of the 20th century. That benefited the 1915 cohort, so more survived the first year of life. And then on top of that, there's the decline in mortality rates for elderly people after the Second World War, where the 1915 cohort again benefited from a decline in mortality rate in, in their age range, so to speak. So these are the key factors. Then, of course, to identify the specific social and environmental factors is not an easy task because there's so many changes in parallel. So to pinpoint which exactly are the, the major social and environmental factors are very difficult. One of the advantages of doing the study in a country like Denmark was that we were not very affected by the two world wars in terms of mortality. So it's not like it was because one generation was more affected by the war than the other one. So we cannot pinpoint one or a few single factor contributing this. So we speculate that the major factors are the general improvement in living condition, nutrition, infectious load, and also what you could call the intellectual environment. For the later cohort, they got radio, television, access to news early on throughout their life compared to the 1905 cohort. Also the fact that it was mainly the intellectual abilities that shows the, the biggest difference between the cohort indicate that it's not because they became stronger. Physically, they are not stronger. They are in the cognitive domain that they have the real advantage. What do your findings tell us about the interactions between physical and cognitive functioning and activities of daily living? Well, I think it's actually very encouraging that our studies suggest that making or smarter also make us able to live our lives, our activity of daily living better. And I think the two major components is both the individual, but also that we are getting better and better in the way we built the environment for elderly people, both the equipment to help you in your daily life, but also in the longer run and with coming generation of elderly people, the more familiar with IT and so on, you can envision that you can be independent in the longer time with a combination of a good head, IT and development in equipment to make your daily life easier. Your study focused on a Danish population. What kind of inferences can be made to other populations? 
That's a very good point. We always have to be very cautious about saying this is the way the development is going on generally. This is two cohorts in one small country at one point in time. And we keep on improving survival at the highest ages. So it might look very good right now. But of course, there's no guarantee that this positive uh, development will continue and it will be similar in other countries. But we need to follow this very closely. And actually, one of the problems with the comparison is that there's very little comparable data over long time periods available currently. I guess part of it is because of science to do new things and investigate new things and we get better and better instruments. So the inclination to do the exactly same thing with many years apart is often quite low. But in order to to follow the development in health functioning among the elderly, it's very important to obtain comparable data. But I would say that based on our research in these two cohorts and also the cohort that was born 10 years earlier, we are still on a very promising trajectory, I believe. But of course, there's no guarantee with the new generation of very old people that had experienced other challenges and living condition including obesity epidemics in many countries, could provide a complete new pattern. So this is something that we need to follow closely in the coming year. And finally, what implications do your findings have on future health care for the oldest old? I think it provides some basis for optimism because if we just use today's elderly and very old people and their level of functioning in the prediction of the burden to the healthcare system and the care system. Then the combination of the increasing number and these demands are overwhelming. But this study suggests that some hope that the future generation of very old people will be functioning better and therefore the burden might be less than anticipated based on today's numbers. But as said, there's no guarantee that this is a trajectory that will continue, but we could kind of say so far so good that it seems like we are on the right trajectory currently. Cool Christensen, thank you for speaking with The Lancet. My pleasure.